Jeanne mentioned earlier about Billy Graham. He sadly, sadly passed away this week. If you don't know who Billy Graham is, he's an evangelist, an American evangelist, who um, did huge kind of stadium gigs telling people about Jesus. And the only real impact directly that had on my life was I went to Billy Graham rally when I was about six weeks old, not on my own. Um, my parents were serving there. It was at Anfield um, when they, my dad was a curate in Liverpool. And all I really know about it is that my parents on the follow-up they had so many people, young men, come forward because they wanted to stand on the pitch that then when afterwards they were trying to follow them up, they were going, Jesus, yeah, no, Billy Graham. No, no, actually, no, I just wanted to stand on the pitch. Sorry. But Billy Graham did um, tirelessly serve his Lord and Saviour. So just thought I'd let you know who Billy Graham was. Didn't know. Okay, so we are in 1 Timothy. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, that would be really helpful. We're in the third week of a series going through this quite short letter, so just a quick reminder. It's from Paul, an apostle, to Timothy, one of his um, a sort of apprentice, and it's dealing with quite specific issues in the church in Ephesus. So you might read this and think, this is not something that is particularly applicable to me. I can see that if you're um, an elder or a, or a deacon or you know, leading a church that this is relevant. And of course it is relevant to those people, those elders this morning. Um, It's relevant to you. It's also relevant to us as a community because we're in the process of looking for a new leader, of kind of thinking that through and praying that through. And passages like this help us to know what we should be looking for, what matters to God in a leader. But it also matters to any of us who are in leadership in any part of our lives. And my favourite definition of leadership, there are probably thousands, but is to be intentional with your influence. So under that definition, any of us who are seeking to influence those around us, who are being intentional about that, are in a position of leadership. So that definitely includes everyone who is a parent, every teacher, everyone who is not just a manager at work, but works with people where you're trying to raise the morale of the team, where you're trying to influence the people you work with. All of us are called to make disciples, to influence those around us, to become more like Jesus. So if you're trying to make the world a better place, if you're trying to disciple people, if you're the sort of person that in a rainy bus stop tries to make other people smile, then you are influencing those around you. If you're doing that on purpose, then you're a leader. And so this passage has things to say to you. Now, um, just before the service, Jeanne said, I love this passage, it's so encouraging. And I said, really? Is it encouraging, is it? And you can ask Jeanne why she thought it was encouraging. I think this passage is how some people imagine the whole Bible to be. A list of things we ought to be doing and a list of things we shouldn't be doing. And there is obviously this in the Bible, but there's also stories and poems and and beautiful, encouraging passages and difficult passages. But this is what I think lots of people imagine the Bible to be. And when we read through this kind of list of behaviours that we want to see, I don't know if there were any that stood out to you. Perhaps they challenged you. Perhaps you thought, oh well, 
so-and-so needs to hear about that verse. The one that stood out to me was verse 4. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his family, how can he take care of God's church? Now, I grew up in a family that was in church leadership that had probably more than its normal fair share of behavioural issues due to, you know, different things, situational reasons, mental health issues. This verse kind of hangs over my childhood. And it can be difficult to hear. And it's really important to say that none of these things are an invitation to judge other people. And that the devil does use scripture sometimes, that he takes particular verses and he uses them to, to take us apart. And that's not how God uses scripture. God uses scripture to encourage and to rebuke, but always to bring us nearer to God. But I'm not going to go through kind of each behaviour in turn. I'm going to kind of draw some wider principles because I think that's probably more helpful. So particularly that verse that I highlighted, let's manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? It's a really good example that what this passage is saying is that leaders, so that's all of us, need to make sure that we are consistent. To put it a different way, we need to make sure that we're not hypocritical. Because whatever we're doing in public, whatever we're influencing other people to do, we need to be doing in private. So a, a friend, some friends of ours go to a Church of England church that are in interregnum, which is a kind of fancy Church of England word saying between vicars, and they've been talking about their process for recruiting a new vicar. And one of the interview questions is, can you tell us about someone who you have personally led to Jesus? Because to them it's really important that if their vicar is going to stand up and encourage people to go out and tell your friends about Jesus, so that's something they need to be doing. That's something they need to have done. So that lots of these behaviours are about being consistent, about not being hypocritical. And that's such a good teacher. If we want to influence other people, that we have to practice it. One of the most powerful ways as a parent that you can teach your children to say sorry is to say sorry to them when you make mistakes. I'm sorry that I lost my temper. I shouldn't have done that. That teaches them. So if we want to influence others, we need to be consistent. We need to be practicing what we preach. And that all of our leadership, whether that is that you are in school and you're trying to make your friends um, a nice group of people to be around, or you're in some senior management position, that it should all be like an iceberg where there's this bit above the surface that can be seen. But below, there's this consistent behaviour. And that's what we should be looking for in our leaders, where there's that consistent behaviour, not that hypocrisy, not that doing one thing in public and something else in private. And lots of those different behaviours that they're saying here are just about being consistent. So for each of us, we need to think, how do we want to influence people? How are we in public trying to influence people? And what does that look like in private? So one aspect of it is about not being hypocritical or being consistent. And another aspect, just to kind of summarise all of it, is about being beyond reproach. That 
there are things in this culture, like perhaps how many wives you had, that in our culture are a bit more black and white. But perhaps there are things in our culture that seem grey, that if Paul was writing this to us, he might spell out. And you might read this and think, but surely that is obvious. But actually our parliament, our elected representatives, are currently undergoing a big piece of work, a big piece of guidance, so that they know how to not sexually harass one another. I don't think, I don't think that that should need saying. But obviously it does. And one of the reasons that we get these passages in the Bible, and I think probably the reason that Jeanne finds this encouraging, is because they bring that clarity. Actually, there is right and wrong. That we need it sometimes spelling out. And as leaders, all of us should be beyond reproach. So perhaps there are things that are popping into your mind of areas where perhaps you're not beyond reproach. Maybe there are areas that pop into your mind for our culture that might seem great. Perhaps what you look at on the internet. How you approach paying tax. The language that you use. The way that you treat those that serve you. You receptionists or bus drivers. Are we as leaders, as influencers, beyond reproach? There are grey areas in our culture. But God is calling us to be beyond reproach and to encourage each other, not with judgment, but to encourage each other to, to be a step above that. Not for our own goodness or sense of self-righteousness, but because as leaders we need to do that. So let's have a look at that. Why, why does it matter as leaders how we behave? Well, I don't think it does God any harm how we behave. There are times when I think people have said to you know, me about different behaviour, different church, or you know, they're bringing God into disrepute. I, God is so big. His name is so holy. There is nothing that we can do to damage it. We can't. We can't affect it. But when there is hypocrisy, that does damage people's receptiveness to the gospel and people's openness to Jesus. I don't know whether you've ever experienced that. I've, in you know, different ways, but one that came to mind was I was at a conference and I heard a speaker who he'd come over from a different country and he was leading a community of people following Jesus. He gave this brilliant, really inspiring talk that was just all about Jesus and really practical and really passionate and, and I found it really helpful and really inspiring. And then in the evening, we went to see some friends um, and we're kind of sat with them having hot chocolate and they knew this guy from something they'd been doing so he came over and was chatting with us and he was, he was fine but he was just making snide comments about the conference, about the way that it had been run just slightly cynical in a way that started to unravel and undo some of what he'd said and the power of his message was diminished because he wasn't consistent. But it can go the other way. There's um, a worship leader at Soul Survival. We go every year with a teenager called Beth Croft. And um, a friend of mine lived with her at university. And before she was leading lots of worship at Soul Survival, I remember this friend saying that she you know, lived with this girl who lived worship, and she was just worshipping just all the time, just in her bedroom, on her own, just constantly. That's what she loved to do. 
And so then actually when I'm being led in worship by this lady, I know that that is consistent, that she just loves to worship. And at this point she's worshipping on a stage. But if she wasn't, she'd be worshipping on her own in a room. That then that influence is so much greater because of its consistency. So actually our behaviour does really matter. It changes our influence. It changes how receptive people are to what we're saying. If you've got a boss who's asking you to do something that you know they don't do, the chances of you complying with that are so much less. But even more perhaps than you know, damaging people's receptiveness to the gospel, there are other reasons why actually how we behave, how leaders behave, really matters. And one is that if we behave wrongly, in each of these examples, people get hurt. There isn't a victimless crime. If we don't pay taxes, if we look at stuff that we shouldn't on the internet, it might not be someone that we live with, it might not be someone in our town, but that affects people. And actually, God wants to bring wholeness and God's kingdom to all people everywhere. And if we are practicing behaviours that hurt others, then that's not right with God. How we behave matters and it affects other people. And it also matters because we've got a job to do of building God's kingdom and so we need all of God's power and strength to do that. And when we're engaging in behaviour that takes us away from God, that distracts us from God, that puts other things in God's place, then we're not, we're not fully with God. We're not going to be listening to him. And we need to be right with him to be as effective as we can be in building God's kingdom, in influencing others. So how we behave matters as leaders. And we should expect our leaders to behave well. And you might well you might be like Jan and find all that terribly encouraging or you might find actually that feels like quite a lot this is quite, quite a list of things to, to consider and a high standard but there, there are real encouragements in this passage one is that Paul felt the need to say and to spell out things like leaders shouldn't be drunk that they should be faithful in their marriage that they shouldn't love money that they shouldn't be violent And we can put the early church up on this pedestal of, yes, we should be like the early church. Weren't they brilliant? And yes, we should. But also, they were really flawed in human. And they needed telling that their leaders shouldn't be violent. That actually, God's always worked through flawed people. With Jesus as the exception, every character in the Bible has stuff that we can learn from, but really serious flaws. So if you're reading this thinking, well, actually, looking, looking at this list, I, I just don't think that I should be influencing people. I don't think I should be leading. I don't think I should be discipling. There's nothing that you can do that counts you out of being a part of God's plan here in Stafford or wherever you live. There is no sin that puts you beyond being a part of God's plan. And great leaders aren't ones that don't struggle with sin. They're the ones that are open and honest and accountable about those struggles, that do them with Jesus and with community and 
are on a journey to overcoming them. But none of you are counted out of this. And perhaps there are, you listen, think, well, it's not really the sin, but I'm just, I'm just not a leader. I'm not that confident. That's something that other people do and I'll support them. But the, sometimes whatever those reasons are for you thinking that you're not a part of leadership, you're not a part of God's plan, those reasons, that gentleness, that listening, that is exactly why the church needs you to step up and to be willing to influence others those reasons that you hold up for why it's not really your thing, perhaps that's exactly why God's calling you to influence in his name. And then the other real encouragement is in verse 15, 16. You will know that people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So we are God's family, which is the church of the living God the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. We are part of God's family that is full of a living God. We haven't been left a set of Ikea instructions to do our best and then God's going to come back and mark us. We serve a living God who is changing us as individuals, as a community. We're not ever on our own in in trying to overcome these things. We serve a living God. And it's not just that God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. It's not just that he invites you. It's that we as a church need you, need everyone here to play their part, to be intentional with their influence. And just as we close feel that there are people here who take all this on board but just feel like it's not for them because you're not the right shape to influence others you're not the right shape for leadership you don't have the, the confidence or the gifts it's really clear in the Bible that gifts you know, that we're looking for particular things in, in elders and deacons but that the church as a whole needs you whatever shape you are whatever burdens you carry, that you are being invited to take your part in being God's household, the church of the living God. I'm going to pray to close. Father, I don't understand why you would choose to build your kingdom with us, but you do. It's a great mystery that you are a loving and living God. You are active and you are changing us. And I pray that as individuals, that your spirit would encourage and challenge us as we need. And I pray that as a community, you would be speaking to us about the leaders that we should be raising up and looking for the characters that we want to see and that you would provide what we need as a church Holy Spirit be very present with us as we close this morning as we chat over tea and coffee as we go into our week (coughs) give us the boldness to be intentional with our influence 
Amen.